Thank you for joining us for today's show. You can follow us on Facebook or visit our website at BeatitudesChurch.org. Beatitudes Radio, empowering people to enrich society. Please join me in a quick grounding prayer. Righteous Creator, in you we find life, liberty, compassion and care, redemption and reconciliation. You make your ways known to us and you recognize us for who we truly are, fully human and made in your image. Come to us as we come to you. Meet us in this time and place. Bring our hope and our fears, our joys and our sorrows, our successes and disappointments, the fullness of this glorious and maddening life toward you, knowing, assuring us that you will meet us here. Amen. So since seminary, I have spent countless hours, days, years, trying to shed this idea of Christianity. Perhaps it is the ways in which we were taught this type of Christianity. Perhaps it's even how we read what we bring into the scripture. This type of Christianity for me is transactional. And what I mean by this is it is a Christianity where I try to earn the love of God by doing what society expects of me. Oftentimes, I feel like I'm playing a role in which God and I negotiate, kind of like my son, I would like to say, used to do, but still does with me when he wants something I'm not quite ready to give him. I negotiate with God for piety and protection, good deeds for comfort, and long prayers for a long, easy life. And yet, I know, I knew and I know, that in my head this type of transactional Christianity isn't real. It's untrue. I understand intellectually intellectually, and I embody the Spirit of God one that is not a rule-obsessed tyrant waiting to zap me if I or any of us make a mistake. But again, most of us have a misconception or two lurking in our hearts. When we try to get rid of them, they cling. Especially when our upbringing and our rituals and our privilege reinforces these types of misconceptions that have been taught from the scripture With some full transparency, beloved community, I come to this week's gospel reading with a lot of trepidation. You see, I like to preach from the lectionary because it helps me to remember the stories of the Bibles and the way that they are connected to each other and to ourselves. And so when this was the scripture this week, I was like, wow, how do I talk about anything other than a transactional God? I mean, let's listen to some of those things again. If you were angry with a brother and sister, 
you're liable to judgment. If your right eye causes you to sin, just cut it off, throw it away. For it's better for you to lose one as opposed to whole. If you don't reconcile quickly with your accusers, you're going to be thrown into prison. What? How is this what we have come to understand our loving God to be saying to us through Jesus at that time? For what is it that we are supposed to do with such powerful warnings? How are we bringing folks to Christianity if this is the scripture that we choose to read to them? Where is that unconditional love that we'd much rather hear about? Well, for me, this portion of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount sounds like a chock full of threats issued by that severe, unrelenting, and a perfectionist, unforgiving God. Let me let you in on a little secret if you don't know this about me. Something my therapist reminds me of all the time. Ellie, if there's a loophole, you're going to find it. There's some loopholes in this scripture, folks. I think part of the problem of reading this scripture, the verses that were read today, thank you, Lucy, for that, as being transactional is because because of the culture we find ourselves in. We are 21st century Christians living in America. We're inclined, I think, to, or encouraged even, to read the scripture as if It's an individualistic lens. What does it say for me and only me? And we stop there. I know for me, when I see the you in the text, I think about me or us, but honestly, I think about me. And I I think, well, what does this mean for me on how I choose to move and love in the world? But I know now, after spending some time with this scripture for the last two weeks, That's not an accurate reading. That's not the loophole that I had hoped to find. For Jesus isn't admonishing individuals on the Sermon of the Mount. He's actually calling forth a new type of community, a blessed community, a beloved community, and a community meant to initiate through these visceral senses a new radical way of loving and doing life on earth. This is a community that Jesus trusts will follow in his footsteps and and, and display that divine love for a world that is hungry for hope and for healing. If we read Jesus' words about murder, anger, reconciliation, adultery, lust, divorce, and oath-making, If we read those things in a more communal manner, if we read them as instructions given in the hope of building and sustaining a community that is both blessed and commissioned to bless those around us, I wonder what version of God for you appears. Let's say that again. If we read these instructions given in the hope of building and sustaining a community that is both blessed and commissioned to bless. What version of our God appears for you? For me, it is a version of a God who cares profoundly about human dignity. 
a God who takes our relationships with each other incredibly seriously, and he wants us to treat each other not with just the bare minimum of civility and morality, but with the deepest respect, the deepest integrity, and the fullest amount of love. If you take, for instance, Jesus' teaching on murder, we know, we've heard that murder is wrong. You know, he tells his listeners, but I say to you, that coexisting without literally killing each other is not enough to sustain a community. That's only just the beginning. Agreeing not to commit homicide is essential and lovely, of course, but what about the other ways in which we human beings kill our relationships through resentment, through rage, through unforgiveness, and in spite? Don't we often treat others as if they were dead to us? Maybe even less than human? How about those folks that are unworthy of love? Don't we inflict soul-killing violence on each other through our words and even in our silences? Our refusal to extend and receive forgiveness, what does that look like for us? What good is it if we, God's children, technically spare each other's lives, like you can keep living, but yet I'm going to continue to commit unspeakable acts of murder through the refusal to love you no matter what, to love you when it's hard. If we were to consider Jesus' teaching on adultery, you have heard that you shall not commit adultery, he says. But I say to you that refraining from sleeping with each other's spouses is just the barest foundation of a Christ-centered community. We've seen billboards throughout the valley here in Phoenix about murdered indigenous women and children. What if we looked at our relationships? Uh, what if we looked to them as a way to honor the dignity and refusing to cheapen and objectify other people, other ideas for our own pleasures? What if we take those billboards seriously? What if we take our scriptures seriously? What would it look like if we helped to succeed in our marriages? I remember getting married and asking the folks that were there to keep my ex-wife and I, you heard that right, my ex-wife and I, in your hearts, protect us, help us have this successful marriage, especially when the whole world was against two women marrying one another. And yet, we all failed. We failed at our relational commitment. We made our vows even harder to fulfill. What if we took seriously, what if I took seriously in that relationship with my ex and my relationship with you, community, and my relationship with God to encourage each other to continue to be holy, and not holy as in stiff and boring, but holy as in whole, W-H-O-L-E, abundant, faithful, and life-giving. What if we considered Jesus' instruction not to swear by anything on earth in heaven, but to simply let our yes be a yes and our no be a no? 
Imagine Jesus is suggesting a community in which the default assumption is that people just tell each other the truth. There's no need to deceive each other. There's no need to say, well, honestly, truthfully, trust me, or I swear. We don't need to say those things to earn trust because in a beloved community, we are trusting. No one uses language to convene or to convince or to manipulate others. In God's beloved community, we remember the words we say are always spoken in the presence of God through the Spirit. And so we, too, must speak with care and respect for each other. In other words, in the beloved community Jesus is shaping, we have the responsibility always to uphold our dignity as brothers and sisters in Christ. Even when our relationships as spouses and partners and friends and colleagues comes to an end because of something, how do we continue to hold each other's dignity? A deeper responsibility cannot be signed away with just the silence. Our deeper responsibility endures no matter what. The longer I sat with the scripture, the more I started to see in it the care and attentiveness of what God calls and wants from us. God wants us to treat each other well. God cares a whole bunch about dignity. Our scriptures are full of it. God doesn't want us to settle for the bare minimums in the communities that we create. God indeed wants us to relate in the ways that reflect the fullness of divine love, mercy, grace, forgiveness, and generosity. Friends, I believe we do ourselves a disservice if we read Jesus' words as condemnation. I don't think Jesus is condemning us. I think he's reminding us of the truths that we inherently know. And that truth, ooh, the way to love is hard. It's costly. It takes a long time. And it hurts. But Jesus asks us to pay attention to what's important. And he says it in every way he can think to articulate it to us. Jesus says to us in the scriptures, you matter. How you live with each other matters. What you say and what you do, what you focus on, what you prioritize as disciples, all of these things matter. And this loving hard, being special, not having to earn God's love, but just being loved, our choices because of those things can actually have life or death consequences. So please, beloved community, let's join together to take and make our communal lives seriously. Let's not make faith harder for ourselves by settling for the bare minimum. Learn what it means to reconcile with each other. Starting with yourself, what does reconciling with you look like? Honor each other. I remember in the early stages of COVID, when we were able to come together, we were like, do we hug, do we shake hands? 
Many of us just chose to bow. Honor each other. Speak truthfully to each other. Protect each other and do these things not to earn God's blessing, but because because the scripture already tells us we are so richly blessed, we are abundant, let's spread the abundance. I fully believe that the will of God is not to shame and overwhelm us as the scriptures have traditionally done, for God indeed is not invested in our self-loathing. God loves us and desires nothing more from us than our happiness. What would it be like if the children of God helped each other succeed in all of the way that Jesus' Sermon on the Mount describes to us? Imagine. Imagine what our community could look like. But I say to you, Jesus says, again and again, I say to you that so much more is possible than you have ever had to comprehend. Beloved community, keep dreaming, keep believing, keep loving, even when it is the hardest thing that we can imagine doing. Reach for love, reach for God, walk into and with the Spirit, Sustain your faithfulness, for you are loved. You are blessed right here and right now. For there is nothing left of us to have to earn, but there is everything left for us to have to share. Be the beloved community you long for. Be the beloved community even when it's the hardest. Amen. Thank you for joining us for today's show. You can help us to continue this program by making your donations at BeatitudesChurch.org backslash online dash giving. Beatitudes Radio, empowering people to enrich society.